All right, welcome in. It is episode 92 here of the Three Guys Talking Ball podcast, and we bring on a recurring guest. He has actually taken the lead of uh, most most guest appearances here on the podcast. He, uh, but he will get uh, he will uh, be tied for first after after next week. But it's always great. We talked uh, Zach. We probably talked when we was back in back in June. Probably not not soon enough. But with football season approaching. NDSU season two weeks away at U.S. Bank Stadium. It felt like a perfect time to bring you back on, do an NDSU preview chat, Bison football. Who knows? I, I just tweeted out a hint of who tomorrow's guest host is, and it was the, uh, it was the Ted Lasso uh, barbecue sauce meme. So we'll see if anybody gets it. But there you, go. you, uh, you guys have been uh, all over the map. You're uh, – Staking out a, a claim. I saw you guys are in uh, South Dakota or in Sioux Falls now. Yeah, yeah, we're invading enemy territory. But you know, if they're paying me money for barbecue sauce, they're not enemies anymore. So, uh, yeah. headed down to Sioux Falls on Saturday, making that trip. I'm uh, gonna go sling some sauce, and then you know, little by little, we're just gonna build this empire, keep it going. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And uh, this is episode 92, and I this one I. I really struggled with. I'm trying to think of a 92 that played for NDSU. I can't think of one. I completely dropped the ball on episode 90. That should have been a should have been a softball home run, but I completely yeah. dropped my shoulder. Popped up to the pitcher, and right after we were Grant and I, we were talking about it. My dad calls me that next morning. He's like, "You're an idiot." It's Phil Hansen. It has to be Phil Hansen. I was like, "Oh man, how did I botch that?" Yeah, that's tough. Um, 92, I believe Lane Tucker, one of my classmates, teammates, was 92. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Mike Hardy might have also been 92. No, he was, I think he was 91. Okay. Yeah. Then was that, I, I feel I'm, like there I'm was like a Boyer maybe that – Coulter? I, yeah, I think he was 92. Uh, let me maybe check. Maybe not. Coulter, Coulter Boyer. Good podcasting. Yeah, uh, this is he was great. 92. You're yeah, correct. he was 92. Yep. All uh, from, uh, from, I guess this is just kind of a South Dakota themed podcast. You're going down to South Dakota to sling sauce. I'm going down to South Dakota to, for a to wedding. Coulter Boyer. Yeah, yeah, to get sauced. <laughs> uh, yeah, Coulter Boyer, the pride of Hurley, South Dakota. He was 2011 All Missouri Valley Football Conference preseason team. Uh, and then very good football yeah, player. Par, very good. Part of uh part of the national championship team, the first one of the uh the division one era here. Yep. You know, somebody and, yeah. somebody named like like a name like Coulter Boyer just has to be a hard nosed D tackle that is just, you know, a, a real SOB to mess with for sixty minutes, and he was one of those guys. Yep. Definitely uh one well most def- defensive tackles, it is a it, it's a thankless position in football. But you talk about any you ask any quarterback, they hate pressure from the middle. Yeah, they hate that a gap pressure, and that's uh, that's their job. They won't get the credit for it in the stat book, but you know they're they're basically the offensive linemen of the uh, of the defense. Just they don't they don't get the thanks they deserve. We see you and we appreciate you, D tackles. That's right. <laughs> And Grant got beat by a lot of them when he was a lineman at Mankato West. So, well, good thing, good thing, good thing I didn't play inside, so no tackles beat me. <laughs> you at least got beat by athletes out there. 
that is correct. <laughs> yep. Yeah, they they put me on the a, funny they put, the the in the funny part about that Zach is is there is like one video we we could find of of Grant's football career and it's him his senior year his last game he ever played in the Metrodome just getting absolutely roasted and uh, forcing the quarterback to throw an interception so he he hasn't heard the end of it since I found it. Dude, that's tough. You know, it's it's a yeah. man in the arena situation. It was one of them where, uh, you know, we're down by 18 and the whole game I was, I was, um, hold my own. Uh, and the one time I bit on him going outside, turned my ins- yeah. inside shoulder and he just whoop crossed yeah, my face and got to the quarterback. So worst, the worst feeling the one ever. time you lack on your, weren't the one time you lack on your fundamentals and he beats you inside. Yep. Can't beat it. And now Dylan has a video of it. So, yep. Unfortunately, tough scene. <laughs> yeah, was it was it what Channel Five put that clip out there of that um, state semifinal game, Dylan? Yeah, it's I, something I, like that. It might have been. I can't remember. It's on YouTube. It is on YouTube. So it was I, the uh, he, unfortunate. He, his career actually was ended by um, a uh, at the time a future Bison and a future Bison's brother. Uh, his career was ended by Kerry Woods, okay. and then uh, the quarterback was yeah. James Hendricks' older brother. Sure, got it. About it. So I imagine you lost to Bemidji. Just Bemidji, yeah. Putting putting dots together. Yeah, that's uh, well. Yep. I'm right there with you. Two of the worst moments of my life came in losses in the high school semifinals. So I, I'm with you. I, those are also yep. somewhere to find, and mm-hmm. uh, still haven't gotten over those. Need to close the yearbook. That's uh, yeah. Some of those, some of those stay with you forever. And high school, high school is underway. The uh, the top divisions in the state uh, kick off this weekend. The uh, nine man and one A are uh, uh, are in week two already. At Trinity, we had our first first game on Friday. We won thirty to ten. We got Minot Ryan on Friday, and uh, going up against a future against the future Bison uh, in uh, Okasin. I whose name first name is escaping me. But let's see. I am um, a little bit disappointed. I don't get to watch, get to go to that game. But when one of your best friends is getting married, that takes a little bit higher priority. So I'll be uh, at the rehearsal dinner, screaming at my, uh, screaming at my phone. Coy Okasin. Yes, Coy. That's right. And he, a uh, big boy, big boy. He yeah. is a, he is a stud. He's glad I only have one more year of cheering against him before now he can. I guess we can consider him family. So since he is uh, going to be a bison, so, <laughs> but let's, uh, let's talk about the, uh, the 2023 bison. Oh my, the uh, season, they kick off at us bank stadium. Like I said, against Eastern Washington, uh, you know, coming off their first time ever losing in, in Frisco against the really good and team that's, the favorite, the Bison, I guess, are in a little bit of unfamiliar territory, being being the underdog. But I think that's also something good for the Bison. Uh, you know, I got to see Matt Entz at an alumni event in Dickinson, probably about a month ago, and he said that camp was going along. He's very encouraged. Um, you know, but they got to put it together. Uh, there's definitely some some question marks. The secondary is a question mark. Uh, NDSU they just announced that their Hunter's ends in a transfer from Iowa State 
who is coming in is going to be out this year, which doesn't help when you uh, lose a guy on the D line, a position that I think is still fairly thin and a lot of question marks. Uh, the offensive line is going to be good. You re- return a quarterback in Cam Miller, who is, I think, is not as appreciated as he should be. I think, Zach, you and I both have uh, had some Twitter arguments on that one with uh, people. And yeah. and then the the receiver room, I think, I think is going to be a very good a positive this year. I think that was a big question mark. I think Zach Mathis has, after that Indiana State game, I think something clicked with him where he's kind of taken control of that receiver room and established himself as the number one guy. Eli Green had a really strong end of the season along with uh, Raja Nelson, Braylon Henderson as well in that room. Raja Nelson is going to be taking some snaps at running back, which something that you're not going to see, you're not used to seeing is the running back room is not as deep right now. And that could change. We don't know until they start playing games, but right now on paper, it looks like it's a little bit thin to Merrick Williams. After that, there's some question marks. TK Marshall is, showing he can do some things, but he hasn't had the carries to do it. We'll see if he's able to, uh, you know, having to replace Hunter Lipke. Kobe Johnson would be a nice back to have, but he's at Colorado State and kind of just the nature of the transfer portal. But, Zach, how are you feeling about the uh, the Bison team this year? You know, it's when, when I look back to last year, um, it's kind of a context and rephrasing thing of, you know, we use the phrase question marks. I look at these question marks this year with a lot of excitement. Um, guys that were really young was there or hadn't come in yet are going to be guys who are contributing every every Saturday, um, week in and week out. Um, you know, especially the receiver room. Zach Mathis was a young cat when I came in. Um, I think he's two years younger than me. And, you know, mm-hmm. up until the end of last year and now this year, he wasn't that number one guy. There were horses above him. And now I think like you said, he realized like, not only do I have to, I'm capable of doing it. Um, and you know, six, seven, two Oh three, that's a, that's a pretty big target and uh, kind of a safety blanket situation for a guy like Cam. And then you look at, uh, like you said, the depth Raja Nelson, um, this might be kind of an extreme example or, um, I'm going to put him in that Debo Samuel category of like guy that is going to catch it out of the slot could be a home run hitter or he's going to come across on a jet sweep and possibly a guy that could bang it just outside of the tackles too. I think he's going to be a really exciting guy to watch on the offense. And then Braylon, I think he's borderline um, in that Darius Shepard position of like, you know, if it's third and six, you can go to Braylon and as sure as hands as you're going to find. I'm super excited for Bray. He's worked his tail off his entire career. And I think this year he's going to be able to show it. Um, I don't know how you guys feel, but um, just historically, it's never, it's always been a stable of backs um, kind of splitting reps. You think of like, um, I believe Papashal and DJ McNorton split, split carries at some point. You look at um, Sam Ojiri and Crockett, but then, John Crockett was so special his last year that it was kind of like, all right, buddy, here's, you know, 150 carries. Let's see what you do with them. And then he's obviously one of the the most special running backs to ever play in the program. I think we're going to see something like that with Tamaric. He is a workhorse, and if he stays healthy, man, I think he can carry the ball that many times when he put the the machines on his back. Um, Excited for Cam. Uh, I think he has a chip on his shoulder, especially after the SSU game down in Frisco. 
a lot of people don't want Cam to play this year. And I think he knows that. And I, I know Cam is wired in a way to prove them wrong, which I'm super excited about. Um, when I look at my my position room, um, you start talking about the Rams. That's kind of where my expertise is. It's super exciting, that front five, and it's just going to be what arrangement are they in? Who's playing where? Um, what's the what's the best order for these guys to be playing in? And then who are the six, seven, and eight guys that are going to be able to fill in if something goes wrong? Um, that can make or break a season. It really can. Losing one guy who's solid up front in those first five, you lose one and the next guy coming in uh, can't step up, then, you know, it's, it's hard to do anything on defense. You look at Hunter Pontius, Jake Rock, uh, uh, Brendan Westerberg, if he isn't starting uh, in the front five. And then um, you get the transfer from Mizzou. His name is escaping me. It's just, you know, who's going to step in? There's going to be an opportunity to play. NDSU will play six alignment um, any given Saturday. So who's going to come in and take the reps? And I think, like I said, especially looking at the offensive side of the ball, I see question marks, but I look at them with excitement versus, you know, concern like it might have been last year. So then, guys, I'm wondering, um, you mentioned that people don't want Cam to play or they're nervous about him. What aspect do you think he's trying to take this season or in this offseason to take his game to the next level? Like, which question marks are, is he trying to answer? I think Cam has um, kind of solidified himself as a very solid game manager. Um, but I think we got spoiled for a while with pure arm talent when it comes to quarterback. You know, it's not very often first-round draft mm-hmm. picks. And even you look at Stick, who was, I believe, a fifth-round draft pick to my Los Angeles Chargers. Um, it's you're seeing like a very good football player who isn't uh, an extraterrestrial guy that was made from the gods. Cam is a very mm-hmm. good football player. And I think what we're going to see is that progression of his actual talent in the passing game, which I'm very excited about. He's shown he can run it. He's shown he can make the right decision. He's a good leader. Okay, Cam, let's sling this thing around the rock. And the other part of it too is, is I think is a lot of people, Trey Lance took off and then the COVID situation, everything, um, you know, you go, you go, go get your money. You, you're the number thir- three pick in the draft. No one's going to blame him for going, but no, nobody expected him to be gone after, I guess you could say a year of him playing, but his third year is redshirt sophomore year, but which he didn't yeah. get to play because of COVID. He got the one game and he, you know, Cam, I think a lot of people, when they saw him on signing day, they looked at him and figured he was just going to be kind of a, a filler, one of the that Cole Davis types that was going to be um, just getting that quarterback rec- ready. He could come in in a pinch. And then Zeb Nodlin was not what the they thought he was going to be. Cam came in and stepped up and played and uh, was the starter in the playoffs. And, you know, I think everybody kind of looked at him as a stopgap for Cole Payton. And I last year I compared it similarly to the J.J. McCarthy, Cade McNamara situation at Michigan where Cade went out, was never expected to be the guy, ends up getting thrown into the fire, goes and beats Ohio State for the first time, gets him to the playoff, wins a Big Ten title. Cam Miller, you know, Quincy Patterson was supposed to be the guy, and he – didn't work out. He Cam comes in, relieves him, leads him back to a win, goes, wins a uh, wins a national title, 
and it was going to be, this is going to be Cole Payton's team. And it just never, and then the few times Cole got in, you we still have yet to see him really throw the ball. He's an excellent runner. I'm curious to see, though, Zach, what they have in the plan in the plans for for uh, Cole this year because I don't think they can just I think they they have to try try and utilize his, his arm if they trust him enough. Yeah, honestly, that's I look at it just from a fan perspective, and I don't know Cole at all. Um, I have only heard the best things when it comes to um, you know people describing his character, and I think he's a guy that if he says he's going to stick it, he will stick out. That being said, he is too good of a football player to not see this, not see the field um, a majority of Saturdays here coming up. And like you said, and we ran into it a little bit last year of if the only time, only thing Cole does when he steps on the field is run, we have to switch it up a little bit. Now, what my whole perspective is when I get in arguments with people on Twitter is that there's a whole lot of context that goes behind these things because let's say Cole does go in, starts throwing the ball around the yard, starts lighting people up. Well, what does that do to Cam's confidence that they're taking reps away from him to throw the football? But, you know, at the end of the day, it is about winning football games. And I trust that this coaching staff is going to put those guys in the best position to do that. Um, But also just from a pure fan perspective, that is an exciting, exciting weapon to have on on our side of the field that I want to see him cut it loose a little bit. I have been told that we will see a good amount of Cole Payton this fall, so I'm excited for that. And, guys, I'm just uh, kind of looking ahead to the schedule here, you know, f- for possible road trips. Fan loves, fans love road trips. What are some good away games um, that NDSU's got coming up that maybe fans can say, circle on the calendar and say, hey, let's go check out this campus in this place? Well, well, well this is one, this is the year for road games for sure. Yeah, <laughs> if, if you're uh, if you're you're picking to either you know let's say you're in Minneapolis, you're kind of that that middle road to some of the Missouri Valley schools, or um, you come to Fargo. I'm not gonna lie to everybody and say that the games at Fargo are gonna be very exciting the entire year. Um, I think doing stuff like now you see the home and home with um, I believe. Eastern Tennessee State out in Nashville, like, and then obviously Tennessee State. State, That's right. And then you see the um, the U.S. Bank game, and then the game in Charlotte against the Citadel. I think those destination things are big for the fans. It just reinvigorates them a little bit, gives them a chance to get out of town. Um, I played at the game at Target Field, and I mean, there was thirty thousand people playing in a baseball stadium. Like that stuff does for people uh, seeing, you know kind of uh, um, out of the norm away stadium for the Missouri Valley. That being said, um, I'm just going to go week by week here. If you are uh, truly in, into the Bison lore and go back to and understand the rivalry, I think the game in Grand Forks is almost a must-watch, must-get-to. Um, Grand Forks is a dump. I'll screen that from the top of the mountaintops. But um, it, that is an incredible game. It's a horrible venue. But I'll give them credit. Those those frat boys that you know barely know how to read pack those stands, and they get loud out there. Um, Missouri State, Springfield, you're not missing a lot for being honest. And then I think um, if you can get to Brookings, man, that is one of the best uh, scenes in all of college football. Um, when we're playing down there, it's not you know 10 degrees outside. It's November 4th, so it's going to be chilly. I'm going to be there. 
staying hydrated, staying warm with a liquid that might be doing both at the same time. So um, I think <laughs> if, if you can circle, um, we're coming up on it now, but if you can get to uh, U.S. Bank, that's going to be a really good time. Get out to uh, the Chicken Coop in Grand Forks and then get down to Brookings if you can. Those are the three that I'll be circling on my away schedule. That makes sense because I think, um, you know, Ethan, who can't be with us tonight, he's up north at the cabin. His dad was an SDSU grad. And they already got tickets this year to go to Brookings. Yeah, and it really they, is. And I was going to say they went two years ago and, you know, wasn't the outcome we we're looking for, but he said he had a hell of a time. Yeah, it's so much fun there. On it, I will tip my hat to them. That venue is unbelievable. You get the away grandstands uh, where you just pack in all those insane vibes and fans and cool scene. It looks like an FBS type um, facility and just in that bowl. And then you have the athletic suites in the other end zone. It really is a cool place to watch a football game. <laughs> it's uh, upgraded. So I, when I was a freshman at NDSU in 13, it was Brock Jensen's senior year. We, me and, um, uh, uh, well, you you would know uh, Mason Ankenbauer, me, him, and then his dad, and then one of his dad's buddies. We went down to the uh, went down to the game. Yep, and uh, we went down to the game, and uh, uh, that was before they renovated in the uh, stadiums. It was it was just wood bleachers on that side, but it was still a incredible atmosphere. They uh, the locker rooms were just a brick building, probably the size of of the room I'm in right now. It looked like yep, and it was uh just a dump and the the grass was about like eight feet high you could tell they haven't mowed it there was a high school game the night before you know anything they could do to gain that competitive advantage but the joke was on them because they ran for i believe it was negative 34 yards that day that was the and the, get lost 20 to nothing the zach zenner game hmm. I yeah. know uh, a, a lot of the diehard bison fans on twitter still still hold that over scsu fans heads I actually yeah, have a, that, a funny story. I was on a, a recruiting trip down to Brookings. Um, I had gotten contacted. I sent my film out to Coach Eck, uh, the old line coach there. And he said, yeah, come on down. We'll do a visit. Went through the facilities, met me, and um, we're sitting in the weight room. And there's a picture of Zach Zen on the wall. And I, like, nudged my dad. And I said, remember when we held him in negative yards, like, in front of Jack in CSU weight room. Like talking about weed. Yeah. I wasn't even committed to NDSU, it wasn't anything. And it's just like I probably should have let that one go. But whatever. <laughs> what was uh what was his reaction? Did he hear it? Oh yeah, he heard it. It was very awkward. He's I was just like, Yeah, I apologize. He's like, I get it, you know. But uh yeah, that was uh <laughs> it was certainly something. Well, you just uh, you just gave me my uh, my my clip. I'll share I'll share to the world is is that story when we do our uh, when when the episode drops tomorrow. I'm gonna use that video. I'm gonna use that that clip. So <laughs> I but love it. Since the uh, we've been on the uh, we've been uh, we're on the topic of the Jacks. They are they are the clear cut favorite in the Missouri Valley. The clear cut favorite to win it all, as they should be. They have they've got uh, two really good running backs. Gronowski is a hell of a quarterback. The Yankee twins are back at receiver. They lost Tucker Kraft, but there is talk that Hines, the guy behind him, might be a better tight end than Tucker Kraft. The uh, defense really doesn't lose a whole lot, but, and I guess we 
we we set this up all right here, talking about earlier in the show about the importance of D tackles. South Dakota State lost their two sixth-year defensive tackles, 24-year-old guys. Now, I'm not saying that that's going to be the end-all, be-all. I think, like I said, they're still going to be a hell of a team and pre- predicted projected to win it all, but they have six new coaches as well. But I think one of the biggest keys and why NDSU struggled to run the ball against South Dakota State last year, especially in the national title game, was because of those two two guys that were essentially grown men that were able to flush out power and kick it out to the flush it out like Coach Stiegelmeyer said in the uh, pregame, pregame show of that's what they had to do to win the game. But those guys are gone. That's a question mark, and that's something that I think that a new head coach, six six new assistant coaches, and how does South Dakota State handle success? Because, Zach, you and I have talked about this, because I, I wouldn't be shocked if South Dakota State seems like a team that would be a one-year team, and then after that they would just kind of really soak that in and really relish that as much and see the, see them drop off. Yeah, I, I, I'm interested to see that as well, just because I, th- I think it was more of like an outlier. You look at the history of SDSU, of all these collision courses for NDSU and SDSU and Frisco. Uh, Turner Christian goes and throws nine picks against JMU, or, you know, they just always find a way to fumble their way out of uh, a game they're favored in and, and end up not being there. So what is why should we believe? that they're going to be this perennial powerhouse to go on a run here. Now, I think there's certainly the capability, but uh, a lot of those question marks that you mentioned, I wonder if it was just um, the perfect storm for those guys to go out and say, hey, old ball coach, we're going on 30 years. Don't know how many we have left with him. Let's go win one for him. And then I'm not an excuse guy, but uh, it was not a good year when it comes to injuries last year for the Bison. Um, It might have just been a perfect, perfect storm thing but i mean i think if we're playing them every year in frisco for the next five years that reinvigorates uh, a rivalry that's up there with some of the best in all of college football well and because they're guys if i'm not mistaken they're what new head coach was he the was he on staff last year was he the defensive coordinator or yep 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 okay so the um, their offensive coordinator was the quarterback when we were in college grant okay Gosh, you're gosh, you're dating us there, Dylan, making us seem like we're really, really old, <laughs> really know. old guys here. Damn. Um, but so six new, six new assistant which, coaches. Which doesn't to, even make him that old. He's maybe he's got to be what thirty, I think. Well, you know, I'll be thirty in February. But, so, so he's he's right up there, the same true. age as me. Um, but so six new assistant coaches. Did they all just decide to retire with the old ball coach too? They said, hey, we got ours. Or did they just maybe think, um, hey, you know, it's time for a change? Yeah, I think a lot of those guys got poached, if I remember correctly, moved on to okay. uh, bigger programs in, in uh, smaller positions. But, you know, six is a lot of turnover. I think if it's mm-hmm. the right fit, though. Um, like, I had three O-line coaches uh, throughout my career at NDSU. You adapt pretty quickly, um, and I don't think it really has that much of an effect. But when elite, like, I don't know what – Pardon the pun and the the joke, but I don't know what kind of juice Stig had these guys drinking 
to to have you know the Yankee twins come back and Tucker Craft play as long as he did and have sixty year D tackles. Um, he obviously had something, some intangible about him that kept those guys uh, on the roster for as long as he did. And I'm I'm wondering how that's going to affect the morale and um, do these really talented players decide to stick around and take another year if they have the opportunity to do so. Do you think maybe and that's those... another part too that doesn't get discussed enough is how NDSU has, got hit by the by the transfer portal and and South Dakota State there like Mark Gronowski could go. He could go to a few colleges in the Big Ten and be the starter. He could he could go mm-hmm. to Northwestern, where our our uh, our former D coordinator is now the head coach. He could he could probably go over to Minnesota and be the starter. He I, could go south you know, of I-29 and much play any, for Nebraska. Yeah, outside of like probably Iowa, I think he could probably go to any Big Ten West school and and be the starting quarterback. I don't think I'm that mm-hmm. crazy when I say that. Like how how those or um, a guy like uh, Isaiah Davis how has he not gotten poached yet you know those NIL pockets must be deep they must be I it it has to be something but you know because yeah I I mean and and there I it's it's going on there's no I don't think there's any there's no doubt I mean NDSU coaches have said that they've had guys getting. Our teams have tried to poach players. I know there was a rumor last year that Notre Dame was trying to poach Christian Watson to go go play for the uh, the Fighting Irish. I know, and, I know a, but, a few guys I played with that told me they got uh, DMs from other colleges and said, you have a blank check if you come. And Harbaugh has to get suspended for buying some kids a cheeseburger when there it was no COVID. You know, that's the... What are we talking about? No, but but <laughs> this is uh this is a, a bigger 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 spectrum here is is the NCAA. They'll they'll govern stuff like that, but when it comes to actual things like the tampering, it's like, oh, like when when real leadership needs to happen, they run they run with their tail tucked between their legs is is more so what I my the point I was trying to get at here. But so are you saying, <laughs> Dylan, again, the NCAA should be charged with lack of institutional control? For the thousandth time <laughs> in their career, <laughs> yeah, essentially. But, but with your buddy Harbaugh, wasn't that a school self-imposed suspension? So technically, the NCAA. It was because the NCAA <laughs> they they worked out a deal or something, and then yeah. like it got shot so down in quarters. Like UNLV at the big house. Yeah, UNLV Eastern. Eastern East Carolina, and I can't remember who the third one was, but Dude, call like me Hawaii. crazy. I think it's Hawaii. Yeah, that, no, no. Hawaii was last year. It was that East. Three, it's, that three week vacation is probably somehow gonna um, <laughs> re-energize him and have him re, um, rejuvenated for the Big Ten season. Oh, he's gonna be losing his mind. That guy's a psycho. He's gonna be like chopping yeah. at the bit to get out there. So then, is this like an NFL suspension? No, no contact. No, uh, with any no, players or coaches. No, it's a, this is a this is an NCAA suspension where it's. Uh, he can be at the uh, he can be at the uh, he can do everything like all game planning everything. He just can't be on the sideline coaching. So it's not a suspension. <laughs> yeah, no, not really. It's a timeout. <laughs> that's that's exactly what it is. So he gets to, is. he gets he gets to do all the work during the week, but then they say for three hours on Saturday, sit in a corner with your head facing the wall, Jim. You've been bad. 
Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, okay. Bowling Green is the third team. Bowling Green is the third team that he'll be out for. How are they going to survive? <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. With, with, with how but, deep they are at every single position out across the board, they're screwed, man. They're screwed. Yeah. <laughs> Eight and four best is the is, is is the ceiling for them, I think. They're yeah, so you're they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna go eight and one in the Big Ten and then zero and three in the non conference. You better knock on wood, buddy. It wasn't very long ago <laughs> Michigan was the laughing stock of that state. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. Yeah. Well Tuck's still coming, so I'm not too worried, but Hey, are you are you I, chopping I, wood I, like I, since Dylan, are you chopping wood since Tucker's coming? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, that's exactly what I've been doing. Yeah. Chopping that's all I see him. That's all I see him talking about on social media is that we just get, keep chopping boys. That and his little, his little, uh, race car he has that he puts, puts recruits in and he's smoking a cigar. Hey, his current quarterback now must be. Tucker. Yeah. <laughs> that dude's dude. cool. Say what you want. He's cool. His, I just hope his current quarterback is better than, um, was it Peyton Thornton, who's now the starting quarterback at Auburn? I yeah, you'll, you'll enjoy this. I saw a meme today, or it had to have been a meme on Facebook. They said, "Just how look at how deep the quarterback position is." The Big Ten, if Graham Hurts and Peyton Thornton are now starting quarterbacks in the <laughs> SEC, <laughs> and I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, oh, this person, they, they are being funny, or it's some, it's some fanboy. Trying to really pump up two bad former Big Ten quarterbacks, no starting at yeah. a new conference. Yeah. <laughs> you know, hand up, I, well, I and not to mention from Notre Dame. Yeah. Well, Grant, Grant, yeah. Grant, Grant Mertz is legit. He started out with a bang, and then well, it helps when you got Jonathan Taylor uh, in your backfield. Well, wasn't Taylor in Indy at that time? Because he it was the 2020 no. year. No, it was. Uh, it was. He started the 20. Or did he? I thought. I feel like he took over in 2019. I thought it was 2020 because it's was earlier than. Okay. Maybe he wasn't. Maybe it was still Jack Cohn. But or maybe you might be right because I think that no, maybe Jonathan Taylor wasn't. Uh, I yeah, no, Taylor... I want to say it was Jack Cohn because they um, that's why Jack Cohn transferred to Notre Dame because they wanted to go with the guy with Graham Mertz with the higher upside. And it didn't work out. So it says in 2019, Alex Hornibrook transferred. That's what opened the door. To Florida uh, State. Yep. And Cone won out. And then uh, the next year, I believe, Mertz beat out Cone. Um, That's what it was. Because Cone got injured in 2020. Uh, and then he came in and lit everything up. Like uh, 17 consecutive passes, 20 for 21. I remember. I was like, that dude's legit. And he absolutely yeah. stunk every year after. Well, yeah, because I remember because <laughs> it was that weird COVID year. Wisconsin played two games, like you mentioned, Zach, and he lit the world on fire, and everyone's like, uh-oh, Wisconsin mm-hmm. finally has a quarterback. And then I think they had to take, like, a two-game break because they had there was an outbreak in the locker room. And yeah. then when he came back, Wisconsin, he just kind of nosedived, and we they, were just like, what happened? Cat was printing the shirts. <laughs> yes. I've seen. Uh, that. <laughs> but yeah, and then uh, yeah, and then twenty one was a disaster for them, and uh, they have uh, 
we will see with uh, Tanner Mordecai and Luke Fickle what they uh, the, the Badgers do. It wouldn't I don't think it would make anybody sad here. The other two, well, Ethan, who's not here, and then Grant, uh, Grant, the Iowa fan, that uh, sad if uh, Luke Fickle uh, and them uh, don't uh, get off to the hottest start. But you know, I <laughs> I will put my hand up. There are like certain college teams that. I'm not a fan of, but it is just more fun when they're good. And Wisconsin is one of those teams. Um, that being said, I am a Notre Dame fan. So, um, you know, we'll just see how – I'm very nervous. I'll, I'll be honest. I'm nervous about the midshipmen in week zero because that very much feels like a, an overhyped Notre Dame loss. Um, if it doesn't come from them, it'll come from like Georgia Tech or a Pitt in week 11, whoever we play. Uh, after we go undefeated the first 10 weeks. Well, and that's not a slouch to go undefeated against because in that in that in in those 10 weeks, you have Ohio State and USC. And I think and both of those games, State. both of those games are knockout games for both all three teams. I think if mm-hmm. I think I think if Notre Dame can come out of that one and one, I think they're still going to I think they have enough to where and they win the rest of those their, the games on their schedule. I think they should be in the playoff. And that's why that's why they went out and got a guy like a Sam Hartman to go because I feel like that was kind of what was holding them back the last few years is that couldn't get them over the hump ever since Ian Book, who I don't I'm I'm surrounded by Notre Dame fans, but I don't talk to a lot of Notre Dame fans. Um, but like it, I, it was one of those situations, too, that I think a lot of teams that have had a quarterback for however many years where they just get. It it it's time it's time to be done like a Penn State with Sean Clifford type of thing, where it was yeah. like he he was he was he was he wasn't good enough to go pro, but he also wasn't bad enough for somebody to jump him. Right. Yeah, just kind of holding him hostage. Um, it it is kind of funny that Notre Dame is actually taking steps to kind of dispel this whole cupcake schedule thing. Because not only, like you mentioned, do they have Ohio State and USC, they play Clemson two weeks Clemson after too. USC. Yeah. So also um, a very good team. Yeah, well, you know, it's, 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 it's just one of those. Uh, being a I Notre think it's Dame one fan, of the. I think this could be a year. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Like I said, I've learned to not get my hopes up because we'll get through. We, we're not going to beat Ohio State and probably not Clemson, but let's say we go undefeated in those games. We're going to lose to Wake Forest or Stanford in the last two weeks. That's just how Notre Dame operates. I've learned my lesson. Well, they lost. To, they did lose to Stanford last year and Marshall, but Steve it was. was <laughs> I lost I, uh, with it. I do think I watched Notre Dame beat uh, Denard Robinson. In South Bend in 2012, I believe that was a 13 oh, yeah. to six disgusting game, but it was awesome. That was a that was a terrible game. That was that was like one of the worst game football games <laughs> I've ever watched. I think where it, like neither neither team wanted to win that game. I think there was like a combined like ten turnovers. Yep. Then Hart Robinson and t- uh, Tommy Reese, just two yep. equivalent athletes. And then uh, didn't he get? I think he got he got benched for uh, Everett Golson too, didn't he? Yep. And that was kind of when Everett took over and ran with it. But the uh, 
since we're talking FBS, have you uh, have you gotten to see the uh, watch any of the Swamp Kings documentary yet? I have not, but I honestly am kind of hesitant because of the reviews. Um, and the previous documentaries that have put been put out by this documentary, what is it like? Untold. 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 The this whole series is kind of like paints these very unflattering people in very flattering positions. Um, and apparently there were some very, very key things critiquing Urban Meyer that are not in there that kind of turned me away from watching it. This, uh, yeah, I, so I, I haven't finished it. I've seen, I'm through the first three episodes and it, it that's, a, it's, it's an Urban Meyer, Meyer, uh, puff piece. It, it, it's really tricky because it opens with them talking about the previous coach, how there was a bunch of discipline issues, players getting arrested, all of this. And it's like, do, do do we have to pull up the rap sheet of like what was all going on there and like they yeah. didn't they they at, like after they won the national title they talk a little bit about it like where there were a couple of things but there's so much more like Cam Newton stealing a laptop then throwing it in the bushes and the police finding it uh, yeah. one of the running backs uh, texting his girlfriend time to die uh, uh, I believe Percy one of the- the Percy Harvin like, before the SEC championship game. Yeah, Carlos, yeah, uh, Dun- Carlos, Carlos Dunlap. Dunlap getting a DUI before DUI. the yeah. Uh, Zach Smith. I mean, you don't got to say a whole lot more with that one, but that was when it all started. And then his his grandpa bailed him out and talked his ex wife out of uh, because his career would be over. Um, you know, yeah. My from the the takeaways is. Urban Meyer is a psycho. Some of the stuff that they did at practice was absolutely crazy. And, oh, yeah. you know, they kind of, they, they paint guys like, like a guy like a Chris Leak. Just they paint him terribly. Chris Leak was a dude in college. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he was the starter the whole year. They, they, he, they talk about how Urban Meyer, if he didn't get Tim Tebow, they will they weren't going to be any good. It was like, you got, you had Chris Leak. He started most of the year. The only time they ever used Tim Tebow was in fourth and short situations or down by the goal line. That was the only time he got used his freshman year. Also, I've had enough of the, like, Tim Tebow fake motivational Gary V. And, like, just the promos where he's, like, midnight workouts, and it was awesome. And I'm like, all right, Tim, that's enough. I, I know you were, like, I know you were obviously the whole storyline with him was that he was saving himself for, for marriage. But like, I know you were around there still being a college athlete. What are you talking about? Acting like you were this narration. So it's funny. They, they, uh, they, they're talking about Brandon spikes and they were like, like, man, like he, like Tim was the only one that wasn't partying or out drinking or doing anything like that. They they and you know they mentioned they they talk about Aaron Hernandez one time and it was that Florida arrest and uh, that was it there was other than that there was zero mention of Aaron Hernandez outside of him catching a touchdown and of course Tim <laughs> made that part about that at him he goes you know I put that ju- at fault just as much as me for Aaron I should what could I have done I should have got him out of there sooner I should have got him got him out of there quicker you know me 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 me. Um, just trying to pump up the T-Ball brand. It's like, 
and his voice changes all the time on yeah. how he's talking about something. If he's talking about their midnight workouts, oh, it was intense. I loved it. Couldn't get enough oh, of it. He's God. talking about when he's talking about his parents. It gets all quiet and soft and sad and feel bad for me. It's just like. All right. Yep. Urban Meyer failed in the NFL. We haven't heard anything from Tebow in 10 years. So <laughs> let's dig up the old history books and uh, talk about our success for three years in Gainesville. And it's, but Tebow's just one of those guys that is a barometer that, like, I probably am a bad guy because he's genuinely the nicest human alive and he just bugs the shit out of me. <laughs> so, like, it's probably a sign that I should probably work on myself. But uh, did I saw something today and it may or may not be true, but. Uh, the next story that's coming out of the Untold series is on the Dallas Cowboys. And guess who fronted Ooh. $50 million to tell that story? Jerry Jones. Guess what kind of story about Jerry Jones is going to be told? I'm sure it'll be very unflattering and paint him in a great light. That's another one I yeah. want to watch. You, uh, you, 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 you kind of hit the nail on the head because the, uh, I don't know if you, how many of them you've watched, but the, uh, the Jake Paul one they have, I came away as like I, like Jake Paul actually seems like I don't, I don't mind Jake Paul all that much. Yeah, right. That's it shouldn't be. That way. <laughs> so, uh, did, have you gotten to see the Johnny Manziel one? Um, no, that's just I do want to watch that, but that's more of just a time thing. I haven't been able to find it to sit down and watch it. But uh, again. Like I heard that there was no mention of like his domestic violence stuff. Um, there was some, like... they didn't really get into it. It was, sure. it was more so just kind of, they breezed through like, you know, he was driving at a very high rate of speed and, yeah. you know, some might, the minor, they, they didn't get about like the part about how like he like drug her out of the vehicle and, you know, all the other allegations about it. Um, he, he talked about it, how it was like, he was at one of his lowest points, how he was, he, he was a shitty person. He, he admits it, which I guess is, that's part of, part of the healing process of admitting that, yeah, I was, I was a shit bird. Yeah. And, but, but the C, the series that like, it opens with him drinking a beer and lighting up a joint, you know, like I, I hope he's, I hope as, as I hope he is okay and like can handle that type of stuff. But like listening to the stories and hearing, like seeing him when he was on TMZ, like all the time back in like 2016 and 2017 is like, man, I don't know if that's the stuff you should be doing, dude. You shouldn't be surrounded with you yourself with those type of people, but. Yeah. And just as like, Obviously, and I think he's been open. I believe he said he's diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Like, obviously, yep. he's struggling with, with mental health stuff. And then you see that he's opening a nightclub in College Station. It's like, okay, I get, like, the business decision. You're probably going to kill it. But, like, dude, is that something you should surround yourself with? Do you really think so? So, like you said, I, I hope just for him as a person, besides um, the the domestic violence thing johnny manzel was like the coolest dude alive yeah. when he was 19 20 21 and then you know you hear like the jamarcus russell story of like he's watching zero hours of tape it's like okay well that's probably why you didn't work out pal yeah but just he, an insane character he really is one of it one. was he was all and and we would i guess we're grant grant and i are dating ourselves again here but 
we were in college during the Johnny football time. And you guys it was old. like, yeah, that, that was 10 years ago. So <laughs> Johnny, his, his redshirt freshman year, I was a true fresh. I was a freshman, not a true freshman. I didn't play in college. Um, um, and, and Sime Hall, there was, you know, sure. seven or eight of us. Oh we were God. watching the, yeah, we were watching the Florida, um, Texas A&M game and we're all like, cause I don't, I don't think either Florida or Texas A&M didn't play the first week cause there was a hurricane. A&M um, didn't. But, that's okay, right. That's, and then we were just like, who is this number two guy? He is electric. And yeah. he was just like, he's going to take this over by, by this, by, he's going to storm college football. And, you know, here we are 10 years later, like, you know, it just, it doesn't, it seemed like it was just yesterday. Yeah. And I always just have it burned in my head of Alabama game when they're in all whites and he's like, mm-hmm. he fumbled the snap and then hits Mike Evans, like 50 yards on a rope down the field. It's like, yeah. who is this guy? Literally yeah. nobody else played football like him. And it, it, he was fun to watch. I was, I, I, I uh I took the bait and thought he was going to be a star. I was uh it was me and myself and uh Skip Bayless. You and Skip. You know, we were the <laughs> That's that's what side of history you want to be on. Yeah. Well, I've yeah. I've uh I've already established myself Zach as the Skip Bayless of the show. I'm the most hated <laughs> man in Kansas City. I don't know if you saw the video of uh when we reviewed quarterback. I just just like him, just the the most ultimate spin zone of like, like passion. No, he's a bad teammate. He swears at coach. He's not coachable. Yeah. And I. Did they take he the swears bait? way too much. And, oh yeah, eighty five hundred views on tick on a, on TikTok, and like the comments were like, were like, this guy is an idiot. You should never be allowed to talk again. It was all. <laughs> And then, like, there were a couple that were like, "Okay, this is this, this is a joke." And then there were like, they're they're like, "Okay, yeah, this guy is just this guy's just being just saying this. Like, there's no way this guy can be this dense." That's the difference between Skip and I. Is I don't believe half the stuff I say. Skip believes all of the stuff he says. Skip's yeah, never lost an argument in his life. Yeah. yeah, I I don't know how. Like, imagine being married to that. Of like, no, I took the garbage out last time. He would never give up. I, and now, well, he's think, too busy it, throwing his Dak jersey into the garbage, so he's got to remember to uh, take the garbage out. I think that's the only way he takes it out is so he can make the video of him chucking his Dak jersey in the garbage with his penis height microwave. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, I uh, the there are a few fan bases that I've tangled with. Um, the Kansas City people are nuts, and then sneaky Minnesota Vikings fans are like. They're rabid dogs. They're unbelievable to deal with. Yeah, they can be. It. Uh, um. Well, I'm glad that you didn't didn't mention cowboy fans. I guess we're good there. Um, not one to brag, but Grant. Ha- yeah, <sighs> Zach. <laughs> Grant Grant has said these are his words, not mine. That I am the most tolerable Cowboys fan he's ever met. You're the shiniest mm-hmm. herd in the world. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that, that's he's, right. He's the best looking pig with loose lipstick on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's just no good way to paint it. It's Cowboys fans are like, they know they're sad in the press, so they're almost not even fun to pick on. 
No, just say like uh, that's that that that's it. And ninety three was your last year, and that's it. It, it was actually ninety five. Same thing. But he uh, <laughs> that was the year I was born. I think I was I was two weeks old, and there's a picture of me with that because at the time I, I my dad's not really a fan of any team now. I guess you could say it was it's the Vikings, sure. but. He grew up a Steelers fans fan. So there is a picture of me two weeks old dressed up of both him and I in Steelers gear when the Cowboys won their last Super Bowl. That's great. Uh, <laughs> my dad my dad is a Bills fan. So I like had Cowboys fan hatred instilled in me. Um you know why is what, that? that? What what's what's the what's why 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 would a Bills fan be mad have hatred for the Cowboys? I don't I don't understand. <laughs> Now you're just Look, being petty for something you never yeah. saw. Yeah, I'm not a you are alive well, I got to feed into the stereotype a little bit. It like it's they're so funny to mess with though, because like I'll just send a picture of Emmett Smith in a Cardinals jersey, and that does it, and that's enough to <laughs> to piss them off. That um, <laughs> speaking of, I I have been completely engrossed by this topic since I heard uh, basically my entire personality is part of my take and they just play 24 seven in my head, but they did yep. the, the Holy shit. That guy played there. And yeah. it's just been completely <laughs> entrenched in my brain for the last week. Oh, it's so true. Um, that, that, so I, there's so many of guys, them. I don't know if you guys have any, you can rip off off your head, but I have screenshots of some of the best ones. Um, Speaking of the Bills, Thurman Thomas was a Miami Dolphin. That's Ooh. disgusting <laughs> to see. Uh, Darrell Revis was a Chief, as you know, I imagine. Yeah. Uh, closed yeah. out his career with them. Jason Taylor was a Jet for his last few years. I remember that one, yep. Yeah, and Hard, uh, hard Knocks. Chris Carter was a Dolphin. That's, yes, uh, that's that one that come to my, comes to mind. Uh, Patrick Ewing Patrick Ewing was an Orlando Magic. He was and also I, a Seattle he was a Super Sonic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one being a Raptor is disgusting in my head. Um, oh. And then I, this one is gross, too. Just photo proof, Jerry Rice was a Bronco. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> yes. That and, and a Seahawk. And a Raider. Yeah. Yes. And a Raider. So I, I didn't know this about it. Like, I obviously knew he played for, like, 20 years or whatever. But he was 43, and he caught, like, 90 balls for 850 yards when he was 43. <laughs> Just insane. Yeah, that's why you have a gold jacket. Yeah. But have you listened to the episode of him on Pardon My Take where they like they go over his stat line for some of his games and it's just ridiculous. Like if you had him because yeah. it was the pre-fantasy era. <laughs> talking about, I was like, man, I wish I would have had you in fantasy because yeah, it was like you, he would have had like 70 points. points. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think – uh, Bruce Smith was a, a Washington R word, and so was Sean, Exa Sean Alexander, which was, was Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders also. Yep. Yep. For one year. He was, and I think he closed out with the Ravens, which is weird. Yeah, he did. Yep. Yeah. Um, I knew Ed Reed was a, a Houston Texan for a minute, but he closed out with the Jets, and seeing that was very gross to my eyes. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So that, like I said, I just had to talk to somebody else about it because it's just been torturing me for a week. Yeah. Or like even, even, even like Kevin Garnett in a Brooklyn Nets uniform. 
Yeah, that's gross. Um, God, uh, Ken Griffey Jr. finished out with the White Sox. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's gross. Yeah, he's, I think he got he got cut because he they wanted him to pitch hit and he was asleep in the clubhouse or something like that. <laughs> and uh, that was the end of his career. But <laughs> I'm glad you brought up Mount Rushmore, Zach, because to uh, to help round out the show here, we've got two more segments. We've got this one and then Curveball of the Week, which Grant has. But Mount Rushmore, we're going to do – and I, this is a little bit oxymoronic, I think, because, you know, when you think of NDSU, you don't think of individual players. That's not what the program is based off of. It is based off of the team and the team's success. But – we don't care. We're going to do it anyways. We're going to do the Mount Rushmore of NDSU football players. So, Zach, since you are our guest and we appreciate you coming on, it's always fun to have you on and enjoy our conversations. We're going to let – the floor is yours for uh, your Mount Rushmore of NDSU football players. Well, fellas, you've been such gracious hosts, and I apologize for the beatdown that I'm about to put on you. Um, you know – a lot of my stuff is swayed towards offensive players. I was an offensive player and uh, a lot of great defensive players, but I think offense is like you mentioned the side of the ball that does get to um, let the individual shine a little bit. And if we're talking about individual shine accolades, leadership impact on the program, I don't know how you go with anyone else other than number 12 Easton stick. That's my one one. Your one one, okay. All right. And and this is just uh we're we're not doing like a snake draft or anything like that. This is all just our our own personal one. So um if you want to go name your other three, go right ahead. Okay. Um good, because I prepared for like a snake draft and like I have <laughs> I have twenty five guys on the board just because I was worried. I had I'd wow. have to pick and be strategic. You did your homework. Um, I'm impressed. Yeah, I was sitting at work today, and I <laughs> wanted to do anything else. Um, my my second pick, a guy I was fortunate enough to to play with and still am good friends with today. Uh, I have to go with Mr. Drake and Amuse himself, Cordell Volson. Uh, so Sticky Ooh. and Cordell, I, I I really think we're gonna look in 30 years. And Cornell is like the guy that we advertise as Bison. He is Mr. Bison. Um, and like I said, very, very fortunate to have been, uh, been around him and lucky enough to call him a friend. Uh, number three, I have to get, take the guy that is was genuinely the most dangerous human as far as impact on a game to play on that side of the ball, in my opinion, uh, Marcus Williams. It was just an entire Ooh. side of the field was shut down. Um, and then, you know, he shuts you down for three plays and he drops back to receive the punt and he'll house that on your head too. Uh, just <laughs> an absolute weapon. And I mean, 6'2", 200 pounds, like a huge corner by NDSU standards. It was an NFL guy, um, one of the best athletes. And like I said, you just go watch that U of M uh, last play of the half when they're playing at TCF when Colton Hegel just pitches it back and bounces perfectly and Marcus is, is off to the races. Um, I think he definitely deserves to be chiseled into stone. This is where things get difficult. Um, Cause if I could have a Mount Rushmore with 10 guys on it, I would, 
Um, but I'll save them for my honorable mentions. They get the plaque at the base of Mount Rushmore. Um, I keep going back and forth now. I think I'm going to take Mike Favor, um, one of the only uh, NDSU players to be in the National College Football Hall of Fame. Um, helped coin the term the Rams, Sands Rams. Basically set was part of setting every tradition that came along with being an offensive lineman at NDSU. He was a center. He wore 57, so I looked up to him a bunch. Um, and I think he's a guy that, like Cordell, is going to be on the hallways of the tunnel of the entrance for eternity. Great choices. The Mike Favor one, that is a very underrated one I, I did not think of here. So I might have to re uh, reconfigure <laughs> my Mount Rushmore. But have you uh, have you read Ed Kolpak's book, Jeff's dad's book about the uh, – um, the history of the Bison, it goes back from like 64 to like 89 or something like that. Have you gotten a chance to read that yet? Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, those might be the most fascinating years, especially because. Oh, like, yes. That, that is just lore to me and even lore to my dad who like eats, slept and bled green and gold. Um, that's a little bit out of his age range, but still guys that like he grew up watching playing and heard the stories about. And like I said, those are the guys that legitimately laid the foundation, these baby steps that got us to where we are now. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it was, for me here, is, um, you know, number one, I will, uh, I, I got to go with uh, the, the Pride of Oaks, North Dakota. He He's a made member in Bill's Mafia. Really the uh, kind of... When you think of NDSU, you you think of you think of this guy. It's it's Phil Hansen. Um yep. was the best player in the uh in the Division Two era on that ninety team. He was the defensive player of the year, showed up from Oaks, never lifted a weight, got was farm strong, but then got in the weight room, became weight room strong as well, and then all of a sudden he ends up having an eleven year career in the NFL, virtually unblockable. Mike Hans or Phil Hansen, excuse me, is on number one is my first one. And number two, like you, I think you can't have have a list without Easton Stick. Three national titles, the winningest player in NDSU history and in FCS history. Um, you know, comes in, steps in for Carson Wentz, goes undefeated as undefeated eight no that year, and then uh, has to take a step out for the national title game, and then they lose in the semis the next year, and then they go win back-to-back -back national titles. Um, Easton Stick now having a good career for Zach's uh, Los Angeles Chargers. I think he made himself some money this preseason. I'm very excited for him going into yes. this year. By the way, I, I just had to jump in about Stick. I, I don't think it can be overstated of how dominant of a football player he was. It was almost like like Steph Curry level, Mahomes level, not that level of echelon of talent, but the fact that every time they are executing a play, you think it's going to go in their favor. You never saw like bad thrown, bad decision interceptions from stick. You never saw balls on the ground. You never saw the wrong read. Everything was perfect. Basically from the time I got there to the time he was gone, which is unbelievable. Yeah. And I, I remember in my dorm, my freshman year, I had a, one of my sweetmates was from Omaha and he was saying like 
he he's the next guy. He's gonna back up Carson. And then when Bowl left, it was like, I bet I wouldn't be shocked if he transfers, but he stuck it out and now he is in the discussion for the greatest greatest bison of uh in in history. And he's on two of our three. We will see if he makes the makes our third here. No pressure, Grant. But number three, I think you gotta go with and this might be controversial, but Brock Jensen. He was not the most talent by far not the most talented quarterback that ever played for NDSU, but he had all those intangibles. He was he would you know, gritty performances. You look back to the 2011 game against Northern, Georgia Southern, the, his flu game, runs 55 yards to the house to seal the victory. His flu, the next year. Turf. Yeah. The turf toe. And, the, and then the next year has runs QB power. Uh, the drive against Kansas State, 3-0. and or Yeah, essentially. Well, technically, no, he'd be 4-0 against uh, Division I uh, FBS teams. Two of, two of the three that he dominated. The other one, I guess, he was the backup in, but um, really got NDSU on the trajection. One of their first F, FCS national titles. Brock Jensen's my third. And then my fourth. Right-handed, right-handed Tim Tebow, baby. Yep. <laughs> that was uh, – I, I wasn't going to say it because we uh, we <laughs> already had our discussion of about Tim Tebow, but – you know, that was that's kind of what you think of when you thought of Brock Jensen, a tremendous leader, a selfless leader, was going to put the team on his back and do whatever it took to win. And my last one is we're going back to the 80s. We're going back to what started NDSU's run in the 80s. We're going with Jeff Bentram. Showed up as a freshman, was the starting quarterback from day one, led them to – I believe two national titles. They made it. They lost on like a 58-yard field goal in the third, which would have won them. Or they lost on a 58-yard field goal on the last play of the game. Um, solidified the uh, ran the veer to perfection and paved the uh, Harlan Hill Award winner as well. And that's why uh, Jeff Bentram is on my my Mount Rushmore. So I got Phil Hansen, Easton Stick. Brock Jensen, Jeff Bentram. Jeez, you just give the shine to the guys that already get it. You're just a quarterback. I know. <laughs> yep. Well, so we're not wasting anyone's time. And if you guys are wondering, it will be three for three on Easton Stick. Because, <laughs> um, Dylan, actually, when you texted me um, that this morning, Easton was the first name that came into my mind. Yep. You know, like you guys, like you said, two national what, two national championships as a starter, and in 2015, coming in after Carson what, broke his wrist, fractured his wrist, and it looked like a well-oiled machine that he didn't even need to play in that national title game. So, for all I'm considered, Easton's got three of them, and just um, you know, to still have a very, very good career in the NFL as a backup right now, still be in it, um, you just you can't say enough. And the, the other player I thought of, Dylan, again, I'm dating myself here, but uh, uh, someone I share a first name with, uh, Grant Olson. <laughs> you know, after, you know, was it that, what, 26 tackle game against Wofford? Um, 29, don't short him. Or 20, 29, okay. <laughs> just just incredible. Just He was all over the field, just a leader of your yep. defense. Um, 
you know what, when I think of, when you think of the best defenses of all time, you have someone at that middle linebacker spot and that's, that's just who Grant was. And, you know, being, that was my first year seeing it live, seeing in person, just like this dude is flying all over the place. Mm-hmm. He's, um, you know, he's got, he's got to be up there. And then uh, that's a good pick. we'll, uh, we'll give a little love here to the offensive lineman guys. Uh, how about Billy Turner? You know, we talked about, you know, when Marcus Williams is on the field, Zach, how you could shut down one side of the defense. Well, when Billy was on the field, you didn't have to worry about having help, sending help that man's way. Yeah. You know, he he sure. was just he could shut a guy down, and how dominant those uh, those offensive linemen were, you know, from 2011 to 2014, and you know, not shortchanging other any other group, but especially those teams right there. He was just the mainstay, and to this day, the big biggest person I've seen, um, in person. You see them walking around <laughs> campus with a 4XL sweatshirt on. <laughs> it's just like this is. This is a mountain of a man right here. So we're going to go Billy Turner. And then my last one here, um, we're going to go away from the players, and I'm going to go with the coach. I'm going to go with Coach Climate. You know, being there for those first two yep. national titles as defensive coordinator, or first three, and then coming in, taking over a program that was already at the highest level, and to take it even higher than what we th- thought humanly possible. You know, sure, he leaves his go to Kansas State in 2019, but that 19 team was just so dominant, too. You could He built that up and just what he did as head coach to, like I said, keep keep the program where it was and somehow take it to a higher level. I think I've got to give some credit to Coach Kleiman there. So Easton Stick, That's... Grant Olson, Billy Turner, and then Coach Kleiman. I like that four. I, I think uh... the coach Mount Rushmore, if one spot was reserved for a coach, I think it would be a very interesting discussion to have on Twitter. Um, a lot yes. of it would be era-related, era but um, you know, you'd hear a lot of a lot of arguments about how. Honestly, I think Coach Bowl is in the discussion of having a statue built uh, in front of yeah. the, the dome for him one day uh, for how instrumental he was in everything. And then, um, obviously, if Coach Ants has another good year and another title. You know, that's a guy that we're looking at, like, hey, that resume stacks up pretty well to everybody else. So, and then, um, you see, you look at, you look at Rock, who was just back in, in the program here in the last few weeks at, uh, fall camp. I thought that was pretty cool. He was handing out a scholarship. Um, the, yeah, there's a lot of names in that, that all time coaching discussion. So I, you might have started a, a NDSU Twitter mm-hmm. war here. I'm excited. Yeah. This is uh, we will. I, I I might have to share that. I'm a, I'm a part of a few groups on Facebook. I might have to share this to the uh, Bison Nation uh, Facebook page and see what they uh, see what uh, see what they think here. I think that'll stir up some discussion. Uh, you know, for if we're going honorable mentions, I mean, like we said, it's realistically we shouldn't be doing a list of players of Mount Rushmore because there there's so many and it's never been about one player. It's about the strength of the bison is the herd. The strength of the herd is the bison, but you know, this is, that's what the internet's for is to have these fun discussions. So, you know, honorable mentions, you know, I think there has to be some type of criteria because obviously Trey Lance, Carson Wentz, they have to be on it, but they just didn't, they didn't have the numbers or the, playing time compared to the Jensen's, the um, 
the Easton Sticks or the Bentrams. Chris Simdorm is obviously going to be on that list. Tony Satter. I'm trying to think here. Who is who is the running back with Simdorm? Um, and the name's escaping me, but and and it shouldn't, but it is. And then uh, Tyrone Braxton on that yep. list. Uh, there, I mean, going back to the '60s, you said Mike Favor, Lamar Gordon. Lamar Gordon yeah. should probably be on that list. Lamar uh, Kyle Steffes, probably the best running back to ever play here. Yes, and that, and that's saying something. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, just my my bias comes through in my honorable mentions. Not bias because they're incredible players in their own right. John Crockett was absolute electricity every time he touched the football. Tyler Roll, my guy, West Fargo Packer, uh, again, just like a guy that was a, a meatball running through faces, just a guy that y- y- was incredible to watch. Um, I have to throw in the end zone soccer, Steve Walker. He was awesome. Uh, just a guy yep. who wasn't one of these freak athletes, but definitely paved the way. Um, if that team in 07 would have been playoff eligible, I think we would have been starting that dynasty that year. Um have to throw in C. Duds, Christian Dudzik, DJ McNorton, Ben Ellison. I have a long honorable mention list, but I want to give these guys credit. Kyle Emanuel, I put Trey on there. Rob Hunt, Tanner Volson, two of the only Remington winners in, in the history of NDSU football, uh, along with Joe Lund, who also won it. Lamar Gordon, as we mentioned. Somebody who was near and dear to my heart, Ty Brooks, was just a guy that, like, you didn't know if he was going to say something that was going to get him canceled or if he was going to run a, an 80-yard house call. But uh, either way, you were entertained. Uh, Pat Pashal, I think Christian Watson, as far as the most talented receiver in, in the, the history of the program, has to be talked about. Derek Tuska, Joe Mays, and Ramon Humber, uh, I think I know need their shouts. Uh, Joe, funny story about Joe Mays is uh, – Coach Kramer made him stop doing bicep curls because he, they'd have to cut the arms on the, the sleeves on the jersey so much. Uh, he would literally just literally grow inches into his biceps and couldn't fit in the jerseys. And they're almost cutting the whole sleeve off for him because his arms were so big. <laughs> and then I have to shout out the specialist punchers and kickers are people too. Ben LeCompte, as far as proficiency at his job, was one of the best of all time at NDSU. Yeah, uh, Chad Stark was the running back with uh, Jeff Bentram. That's who I was thinking Should've of. Known that. That's bad yeah. by me. It's okay. I hey, we we all we all forgot it. So, you know, <laughs> um, we uh, we we could go over to Mankato West, and there was a uh, safety that played for them. He played in the NFL. I uh, I can't think of the guy's name. Uh, Craig Craig Dahl. Craig Dahl. Craig Dahl. Yeah. Craig Dahl. Yep. Yep. Craig Dahl. Super Bowl champion with the Super, New York Super Giants. Bowl champ, Craig Dahl. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. 07 Giants. Yep. I believe so, Ramon Humber got one too with the Patriots. Yep, he did. Good for him. So, yeah, that was uh that's a, that's a heck of a list we got there and you know, I if we apologize if we miss some, but when you have also, so many great know, players cycle yep. through there, you can't Dylan, I'll, uh, I'll throw in a remember them all. I'll throw in a receiver, you know, from my early days at NDSU, Zach Raw. Yep. Yep. You know, from from Rosemont here in Minnesota. Oh, dude, just absolutely killing it in the ice cream game, too. What a, 
Dude's a baller. Yeah. Well, your early years, Grant, he was there for he was that he he was one of those guys that went yeah. pre-COVID went to college for six years. He was yeah, there for I all three of my years. I can't remember. Yeah, like I can't remember. Did he start? Was it like 2010, 2011? Or was I it? I think he was, was 2011. Okay. Or maybe it was because he broke his collarbone. He broke his collarbone on his first, like the first play of his freshman and sophomore years or something like that. Yeah. Cause yeah. yeah you're too, like you said, he was, I felt like Zach was at school for six years. <laughs> Had some of, some of the best plays in uh, school history too. That, when he mossed mm-hmm. that kid from Western Illinois, pulled it over his bone. I was in the corner for that one. I was in the corner. Yeah. If you watch the video, there's me jumping up, standing down, putting my hands up. Zach Ross started in, or he got there in 2010. Was it first? 2010. Game. Okay. Okay. Uh, and since we're on the receiver train, Darius Shepard, RJ Erzendowski can be thrown in there as well. Yeah. As far as like big time plays that will go down in history, I don't know if you can argue from the receiver room about anyone more important than Erzendowski. Uh, think about the Illinois State uh, National Championship and then basically every other time that we needed a big play. And then I think about you and our homecoming in 2016, 2015, I believe. 2015, uh, yep. When Shep caught the wheel route in, into in the corner of the end zone, that was unbelievable. And Shep, just genuinely one of the greatest humans I've ever met in my life. So also a charger. We're, we're living good yep. right now. Need him to make the team and we're rolling. Be yeah, that's shoes. right. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. But now with that, now we will uh, we'll, we'll shift over to our last segment of the show and wrap up here. We'll uh, kick it over to Grant for Curveball of the Week. So uh, this week's Curveball comes from my good friend Derek, uh, co-worker, colleague, friend of mine, um, avid listener Shout out of Derek. the show. And he, he said, hey, I got one for you someday. Um and the last time I had a curveball, I, I went somewhere else, but I remembered from what he told me. So, guys, when you're – I want, want to know, when you're having a burger, what are your, like, ideal toppings on, on top of um, – like I said, anytime you're having a burger and fries, what, what are you putting on top of, of that? So, it depends because I'll get weird with a burger. If okay. I have the time and patience, I'll, I'll do the peanut butter and the jalapeno jelly. But uh, mm. just a mainstay, a Tuesday night burger. I'm a lettuce, pickles, raw white onions, ketchup, and mayo. Throw some bacon on there too if we have it. Those are that's a that's a all American classic burger. And that's what I need. What uh, what type of condiments are you putting on there? I'm just a ketchup and mayo guy. I know that's kind of counterproductive to what I do for in my line of work, but uh, you know you get weird. <laughs> Throw some dill pickle mustard on there if you're feeling fancy. But like I said, I don't know. Uh, I think it comes from my endearment to Culver's, uh, which I think is the best fast food burger, by the way. It's too late in this video to, to get in this conversation and start that fight. But uh, uh, <laughs> mayo, mayo and ketchup, you get the crunch of the pickles and the onions. You cut through all the fattiness with, uh, um, with some lettuce. And, man, that is a home run. It goes without saying, too, I, need American cheese. I need the, like, plastic yellow stuff on there. The, old, <laughs> the good old craft single. Absolutely. <laughs> Can never go wrong with some craft singles. Mm-hmm. But 
I'll go next here. I'm, I'm similar to you, Zach, though. I, I like the, uh, you know, the lettuce, tomato, pickle, the white onion. You know, I'll usually only get that when I go to restaurants. Occasionally, I will, uh, if I'm feeling really uh, adventurous, of, you could say, I will uh, go and splurge and uh, get some onions and tomatoes. But usually, usually I have some pickles at my house and some, uh, what I like to do is if I'm grilling it, is put a little bit of some Big Deck barbecue sauce on the burger, and then you put cheese on it and let it melt. There, you you, you got something there, uh, bacon, and then with uh, ketchup. And similar to you, I'm I'm not huge mustard on the burger, but I do I I, I do like mayo on my burger. So mm-hmm. that's you know I sounds real original, but you know what? Sometimes you just gotta go. Keep things simple. There's beauty and simplicity, and that that's the way to go. Sometimes to go forward, you have to go back. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Matthew McConaughey, or or as my as my dad called him once, uh, Michael Mahogany. <laughs> if I ever like write under an alias or if I start a blog, I'm gonna have a character for Mahogany. No, you know, guys, again, let's make it a clean sweep here. Um, mayo on, on your bun. It's just, there's something about it. it. It It's great on a burger. I can't get enough. And for me. Now, are you guys you know, toast? Uh, do you toast your bun? Are you toast your buns, guys? Or do you just go uh, go plain? It depends what kind of bun. Uh, there's some, if it's like a, if just a white bleach flour ballpark bun. I don't think there's any reason to toast it, but if you go, if you splurge on like a, a brioche or like a nice um, poppy seed or a sesame seed bun, yeah, mm-hmm. throw that, get some grill marks on it. And honestly, it helps prevent uh, sogginess, which I think is key. You know, I couldn't um, couldn't agree more. And then also sometimes I, I like a good a good pretzel bun. Yeah. Bur- yeah, yeah, bur- yeah. Burger on a pretzel bun there. But um, I, I'm just kind of a... You know, a pepper jack cheese, some barbecue sauce, bacon, and then a little fried onions on top. That's a great burger. Yep, that's that's that kind is. of all I need because you know, Bunnies in St. Louis Park here they have, um, you know, it's they call it a rack attack burger, and it's essentially everything I just said. You know, barbecue sauce, pepper jack cheese, onions, um, bacon, and they do throw on a, a piece of lettuce right there. But anytime <laughs> I go, that's that's the go-to. Yeah. Right there, you know. That sounds. That's half pound patty with, and then the barbecue sauce comes on the side. Well, I naturally take my bun off and put it on top of the burger, and it's an absolute mess, but it's (laughs) it's absolutely fantastic. See, I'm not I'm not afraid to get messy eating a burger. Like, why Mm -hmm. treat it different than wings or ribs? Like, I'm here to get hungry. Let's go. We're going for some carnage. That's right. So, and Zach, I just thought of one more question I have to ask before we uh, wrap this show up here. Now, the last time we talked, we were talking about bets and challenges that you've done with Big Deck Barbecue. You uh, still waiting on that beer mile run. I don't know if if I've missed it or you just haven't done it yet, but how how many likes or f- bathe in barbecue sauce? Huh. Ooh, well... <laughs> The only problem with that is I don't know how I'm going to turn that into content and still be able to have this as a profession. Uh, so maybe maybe <laughs> I'll start it. I'll fire up the OnlyFans or something and post my my <laughs> yes, barbecue sauce. Yes. Back. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but 
Um, you know, on the beer mile subject, it's been tough because um, everywhere here that has a track that I could run on is a school. And I'm not bringing four Miller lights onto Cheney Middle School's campus to <laughs> just for a gag because I got a thousand <laughs> followers on Twitter. So I think I'm going to have to go out on the country and run on a gravel road somewhere. I think when it cools off in a little bit, I'm going to do that. I'm still a very large man, so I need uh, as many handicaps as possible as we go into this. Um, I'll tell if we hit when we hit 10,000 likes, I'll post the or 10,000 followers on Twitter. I'll post the uh, the barbecue sauce bath. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought I thought I was going to be a higher one now. So if if ten thousand is the barbecue, say what what about like at a hundred thousand? What are what 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 are you doing? I'm gonna like film myself driving my car into water or something. I don't know. We're just gonna keep raising the bar. <laughs> All right. So now we appreciate you, Zach. Thanks for coming on. Now where where can people uh, find your stuff? Now you've got Big Deck Barbecue, the uh, Benchwarmers podcast. I I'm hoping is renewed for season two here, but. Um, you know, where, yeah. where can people, uh, find all things Zach Willis? Yeah. So, um, big thing with big deck is, uh, basically wherever you're grocery shopping in North Dakota, we're, we're excited to expand our, our reach and our presence. So if you can't find it, you give us a shout and we'll get it wherever we can to get it close to you. You can also order it online if you want it shipped right to your door. Um, bench Farmers is coming up. We're going to do season two, hopefully kicking off. Uh, after the Eastern Washington game, um, Quinn obviously has some constraints. I, I mean, I'm a goofball. I can do whatever I want at any hour, any day. But uh, Quinn has a baby and a full-time job, so we're going to figure that out, how to get him in. But, uh, you know, it's more for my sanity than for the people that are clamoring for content because me and him, we just prove to each other how insane each other are every time we sit down <laughs> and talk for an hour. I'm sure you guys can relate. But yep. um we're we're gonna get through bench warmers What's and then that? if you just want general debauchery, you can uh, follow me on Twitter. It's uh, it, it's been funny. I get uh, followed by some people who know me in like real life personally, and you know they know that side of me, that persona, and they follow me on Twitter. I'm like, you are not gonna enjoy this experience. So you might as well hit the mute button while we're here. But uh, yeah, it's uh, you know it's been uh, overwhelming with the support from everybody from as Mr. Jeff Colhane would say from the Red River Valley to the Western edge and all points in between and beyond. Uh, we, we've getting, been getting shout outs uh, for big deck barbecues. So thank you to your listeners. Thank you to you guys for having me on and uh, look forward to the next one. Yeah, absolutely. We will have to do this again. You know, we'll, you know, there's going to be some big ones coming up. We did a preview before the UND game. Might have to do one for the South Dakota State game. Playoff preview. You know, and just have a general discussion and see where it goes. You know, similar. this is somewhat similar to the bench warmers where we're just, we're going to hit record and see how stupid we sound and how, how uh, see wherever the conversation gets uh, takes us. Because I think that's that's exactly what, what we want to do is is that. Yeah, you know, that's kind of the experience of any conversation with me. Um, I, I don't necessarily love that about myself, but I kind of commandeer the conversation. And if uh, something pops into my brain, that's the direction the conversation goes. Uh, like earlier when you mentioned pepper jack cheese, I wanted to, to talk about my only beef with pepper jack cheese is that I haven't found one that has a true spice level that is adequate to me. 
Um, when you hear when you just buy like grocery store pepper jack cheese, isn't that spicy? So I, I need to find a good one that I have access to because you really can't beat it if you're making mac and cheese or like you said, feeling frisky for a burger. This is good, Zach, because Derek will <laughs> has roasted Grant on Twitter. Who does Grant doesn't have Twitter. He's used his NDSU account. He doesn't know his password. Can't get back in. So we had. <laughs> so Grant, Grant cannot handle a cannot handle spice like uh, you and I can. Well, because sure. you know, according to Derek, he goes anything over a mild cheddar, it's too spicy for Grant. And the only the only oh, sauce no. he can use is, is ketchup, which. Is a total fabrication, and I'm not going to go out and claim that I can handle, you know, the world's hottest hot sauce. But um, I can handle more than what he likes to clown me on Twitter when I can't defend myself. Yeah, see, that's <laughs> not fair because it's just uh, it's not like people enjoy it. It's just a tolerance thing. Because I'm not a super <laughs> exactly. spicy guy. I I do like a little bit of heat, but my dad is genuinely in for like the pain that he receives from eating something hot. And I'm like, I, I'm just not into that game. Like at B-dubs, just give me my, my mild buffalo and my sweet barbecue and I'll party over here. You can all that. Yeah, for me at Buffalo Wild Wing, anything over like an Asian Zing, I'm just like, I can't do it. And even that, it's like maybe six wings max on the Asian Zing because yep. after a while, it's just I'm uncomfortable. Yeah, man. I'm so underrated sauce so. at B-dubs, I will say. It's it's a great sauce. It's fantastic. Yes. But like that that, might, that you know, might be our next uh, next time you come on, Zach. That might be our uh, our next Mount Rushmore. We do is uh, the uh, uh, our uh, we rank our Buffalo Wild Wing sauces. Sure, that that's a that's a great <laughs> one. Uh, they did just rotate the hot buffalo back into it, and that is that's that. a great sauce. Um, but and uh, the hot barbecue as well. Yes. So I'm not a I'm not a a super spice guy, like I mentioned, uh, I'll dabble in the Buffalo world. Um, but when we hit a thousand followers on Facebook, me and my dad ate a ghost pepper on camera. And after that, I just like, I'm like, I, I reached the mountaintop, man. Like, I don't need to prove my, my manlyhood to anybody else when it comes to spice. And then, yeah. And then for fantasy football, I had to do, I had to do the pancakes and then for taking last in the tournament or splitting last in the tournament, uh, we had to split a, uh, one of those hot chips and, oh. uh, that I, I don't, I don't know if I've sent the video to grandpa, Zach, I could send it to you on, um, when we're done here and you can watch us, uh, struggle through it. And then, you know, thinking that like one of those, like little, like things of milk that you can buy mm -hmm. at like a, at a gas station, you, we, we needed like a, a half a pint or a gallon of it just, just to get through it. Cause it was, it got hot. And it, it didn't get yeah. like hot right away. It just progressed and progressed and progressed. That's and the then worst it felt like it like, like when we ate the ghost pepper, you're hitting at like five minutes and you're like, oh, it's not getting worse. And then you feel it start to get worse and it hits 10 minutes and you're like, all right, it has to stop now. Like every other spice that I've encountered stops at this time. No, it's just getting hotter. And the anxiety sets in of like, is this going to get hotter than where I'm at right now? And it inevitably does. It feels like a chemical reaction is happening inside your mouth. And oh. the worst part is like, like every scientist I've heard talk about this. There's just no qualming it. It just is what it is. You're going to have this burning in your mouth until it's done. <laughs> and 
It was, that's exactly what it is. And like, it just sat, it sat in my stomach like all day. And then when I woke up on Sunday, it was like, oh boy, mm-hmm. I better uh, make sure I have enough toilet paper. But <laughs> that's gonna be this, uh, <laughs> this, this episode now officially has it all. Cause we, we, we were going to wrap up about 10 minutes ago and now we, uh, we've officially given the, uh, the Midwest goodbye where it's still about 10 minutes later, we're still talking, but now, and it's not goodbye. It's this. Uh, now see we're getting too, uh, too, se- too sentimental here, but it's, it's see you later. So Zach, <laughs> we will, we will see you later and can't wait to do it again. All right, fellas. Appreciate you. Grant, it was great to meet you. Great discussion. Looking forward to the next one. You as well, Zach.